What just happened last night? Guys, I can, I, my mind is blowing up for you. I, I, I don't know if you saw it because you might have been sleeping, but something incredible happened. There's so much to talk about on Hotline League. We've got a short period of time because Mark, his life is just consumed with work now. And so he's able to eke out this little time for Hotline League 49. I woke up 30 minutes ago. So this is a little forced. I'm not going to lie, but it's okay. Because in a second, I'm going to start thinking about the Cloud9 stuff, and my mind's going to blow, and it's just going to be amazing. Hotline League episode 49 is starting right now. Um, And by the way, we have a mystery sponsor uh, that would normally, whenever they're not a mystery anymore, there'll be a little ad that pops up here. Either way, let's get into it. Uh, Let's go around the horn. Mark Zimmerman. Sorry, by the way, there's a cursor. I'm running on a single window. This is what happens when I'm in Korea and still produce. Mark is here. Uh, Mark, how you doing? How you holding up? Uh, yep. <laughs> holding up. <laughs> Day 14 of Worlds, Mark Zimmerman is alive. And that's his status. Alive. Uh, is it really 14 days of Worlds already? <laughs> I mean, that's what Razzleplasm said, so I, I was down to believe it. I'm pretty sure, uh, it's probably not, not gonna lie, I just probably threw a number out there. That's how <laughs> I feel. <laughs> yeah, right. It's, I mean, it certainly feels it. like it's been a bit, uh, uh, I mean, we can get into it in a little bit, but I will say, like, I needed yesterday, um, because when you oh, travel, yeah. you just, like, by, once you've been there for, like, a week and you know that there's, like, much more time to go, you need that pick-me-up. But, uh, Mark, do you have, uh, what's life been like? You're completely nocturnal still. Yep. Uh, it honestly isn't regularly too bad if it was just Worlds, but other obligations such as Hotline League. Which you love take to do. What, love it. Uh, what little freedom I do have suddenly is gone. Uh, uh, but who gives a shit? C9 is out of groups. Yeah. First team to make their way out. So hooray. Kelby spent the day watching the games. Uh, what what was that like for you, Kelby? How are you doing? I'm doing really good. Uh, I have a bunch of things I want to talk about, so I won't spoil them here. But uh, well, one of the things I can't just generally talk about that doesn't spoil anything is that it was really, really fun, actually. Like, the games were more yeah. entertaining than a lot of League of Legends that I've watched in a long time. And I thought that... Uh, the, the overwhelming majority of it, except from uh, Gen G, was uh, really high-level play. Yeah. Oh my god, it's already starting. It's already happening. Well, we have, uh, we have Razzleplasm on the show. Welcome to the show for the first time ever, Razzleplasm. Hello, hello. I'm going to call you Raz from here on out. Yeah, it's probably the best. You don't want to go for the full Plasm. Yeah, Plasm is your last name. Uh, Mr. Plasm. Um, you... Oh we we had to have him on because if if Cloud9 had made it out as the first seed, I think we would have just we would need him. But uh, because because RG was able to make the first seed, unfortunately, we have to have somebody from LPL on. Uh, so you know, so like the token LPL question that'll slip through Mark's clutches. Uh, we'll we'll have him here. No, uh, welcome to the show, Rez. Yeah. How how's life? You are. You, are you in uh, China right now? Yeah, came back to Shanghai. So if anything, if I like get kicked out of the call any way, shape, or form, then you know who to blame. Yeah. Big brother. Well, as long as you uh, keep saying no, great things about the LPL teams, I'm sure you're good. 
then I'm good. Yeah. Uh, but my God, yeah, I'm, I'm all right. You know, just kind of trying to fix my schedule, something Mark can't do right now. Yeah. Uh, and then one thing that I needed was yesterday's games because holy, sh- like my heart rate throughout the entire day, there was no peace. And I was pretty, I'm not pissed off about it. I just feel like my doctor's going to be pissed off about me about it. Cause like watching it, I just, I felt like I was still dreaming. It was just uh, pretty damn good that RNG got out at the end of the day. That's all I really care about, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I will agree with that for how much like work we have, like, Put into hyping up RNG. If they got fucking knocked out, it would be like, all right, that's a great storyline for the West, but like, goddamn, China is gonna be pissed. Yeah, yeah. I was. Uh, I had Twitter out in one page, Weibo on another, and they were completely different. <laughs> like, there are different feels happening. On Twitter, everyone was just like hyped up as shit. On uh, Weibo, everyone was just like, what the hell is happening at Worlds right now? RNG shape up slash. I guess we feel good about Vitality, but don't kick our ass. They, I don't know. It was, it was conflicting feelings on both sides. Yeah, Candice, uh, the LPL host, came into the, the media room after the after that Cloud9 vs. RNG game, the first one, and she was just, like, really worried for Cloud or for RNG. She was like, oh, shit. Because it's so funny. You can tell, like, there, it was just such an assumption in everyone's minds after the first four days that, like, Okay, RNG's like best team at the tournament, probably. So like everything's gonna be fine, and then they just drop the first two games to a couple of idiot Western teams, and people are like, "What? What? What is this?" Yeah. Uh, it's just fascinating. Um, all right, well, a uh, couple of things. Uh, I don't know, Mark. Is it better for us to just talk a little bit about our opinions and then get into the calls, or should we go straight into calls? Because I know we have it's a little bit of a shorter episode. I think like maybe till six thirty we can, or you, you don't know what six thirty is. <laughs> no, 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 I have I in the next fifteen minutes. I got it. Yeah, I didn't fifteen minutes of, or maybe I'm just shooting the shit. Cool. Can, yeah. Can um, can I make a proposal? Yeah. Since I'm of like uh of our of our two fine gentlemen this direction, I'm like the least qualified knowledgeable about League of Legends at a competitive level. But I felt like I saw. A lot of things last night that really stood out to me so i'd like to say my piece and then have uh these guys come on top and say yay or nay i disagree yeah yeah, go for it okay so i know one thing that i i feel like was like the theme of last night is like we talked before earlier on the show what it would take for c9 to get out of groups right and would it be like a collapse would it be them stepping up or whatever and i feel like honestly after watching the games last night uh, the other teams didn't collapse. C9 just really, really stepped up in a very, very massive way. Uh, and I think that like a lot of their draft, like they, they seem to have found a strategy um, in how they're playing and also in their drafts that worked really, really well up until RNG, I think, figured out how to counter it in their second matchup against each other. Uh, in all the games that C9 won, except for the Vitality game, so I guess it's really just two games. Uh, but in their first two games, they won top and mid. Uh, like, they they use Shen and global presence super, super well to play really proactive on the other team's, other team's side of the map. And, uh, like, they were, they were super, super good about it. Um, I think that their draft against RNG 
in their first matchup was like, I thought it was super, super hard for RNG to win that game. Like they had such a good Sivir comp and they applied so much pressure and just like lived on RNG's side of the map. One of the things we talked about uh, like is kind of like a macro level thing in MOBAs in general. It's the same in League and Dota is you always hear people say about like why being proactive is important, but then they don't really go into why. All things considered equal, if you are like going to get 50% of the team fights won in a game, you'd always rather have the team fights happen on their side of the map because when you win, then you can take objectives. And if you lose, they have to march all the way across to take your objectives, right? Um, so like them being over there and then winning those team fights was super, super big. I think that RNG, though, did a really, really good job in their second matchup because they first two banned uh, Knock, or sorry, they denial pick Knock, they banned Shen, and then in second round, they took out Singe and Hecarim, and I think that, uh, like, shutting down their global ability, taking Shen away from them uh, is, is, like, what you need to do. Like, targeting Licorice with bans. Jensen, I don't think you're going to target out with bans, and then taking away Shen is how you do this in the drafting phase. And, like, that was still a really, really close game. But the one thing that was, like, still, I think, is C9's weakness uh, is, like, their late-game team fighting still didn't look super great in all of these games. Against Genji, they were still losing late-game team fights when they had a huge gold lead. It happened against RNG. It cost them the game against uh, RNG. Uh, and I think the thing that's super interesting, too, is everybody's really hyped about this, but I think that the only game that like C9 like should have lost aside the RNG game that they did lose is their game against Vitality. Vitality really threw uh, in the Baron Pit play. And then the thing that was super, super funny to me is Sneaky had the most valuable death of the entire tournament. When Vitality killed the mid and then they have, they have two people on C9 dead, they're walking three to C9's mid tier two. Sneaky appears bottom at where his tier one tower is supposed to be. They walk three people when they can easily siege C9's mid-tier two. They walk three people from that mid-tier two all the way to C9's bot tier one to gank Sneaky. They kill him, and then they have to walk all the way back, and they don't even get to, like, siege after that point because two guys have rest. And I was like, as I was watching, I was like, holy shit. I can't believe they're chasing this kill. Like, this is such a great death for Sneaky here. You know what I mean? But, uh... Yeah, I think that Jensen and Licorice, like, really, really stepped up, uh, did awesome. Sneaky lost lane in every single game, but it didn't, like, end up causing them huge difficulties or whatever. They just played super well, and I hope that, like, if teams, like, keep targeting, like, keep uh, drafting the way that RNG did in the second game, like, they target out the Shen and they denial pick knock or whatever that C9 has an answer. But, I don't know, we'll see. They, they did super, super well on this day. I think they stepped up massively. I was really impressed. Uh, that was a long segment. Yes. Yeah, uh, going back to what you said at the beginning about like Gen, like it would take a team to collapse. I actually do think Genji collapsed. I think they well, yeah. like they were hands down the worst Korean team to ever attend Worlds. If you cast your mind back, even to the like teams that got didn't get out of groups pre twenty fourteen before we got this format, but from twenty fourteen onwards, every Korean team who has come to the tournament has gotten out of groups. Before that, the only team that didn't make it was uh, Samsung Ozone or whatever, and I'm pretty yeah. sure they were they were five and three and didn't yeah, get were. out yeah. because of um, a tiebreaker game. So like, this wasn't even fucking close. This yeah. was 
uh, uh, awful. Like, this is a straight-up bad team from any region attending, and it's from Korea, which is just mind-boggling. So I think C9 played amazingly. Same with Vitality. I don't think anyone thought that they would look that good and, like, take games off of RNG to get out, which is the crazy part. Um, But I I still think it it was kind of a collapse out of Gen.G, as well as both these teams playing super well. And to uh, Kelby's, Kelby's point about um, the preparation, the level of preparation C9 had, something that you already mentioned was like a Sivir pick into the Kaisa. Like, Kaisa and Akali, this tournament really turned out to be like trap picks. Trap picks because, like, after the tournament really developed, there were counter picks already like levied out, either in having shoved early on in the game, early pressure. So, like, Draven for Vitality was really crucial. The Draven bans, cons- like, consistently went out for Sneaky. And then for, I mean, the Akali, that was really early on where you pick it, then they'll just pick survivability and tank. And the funniest thing about it is that the survivability and tank came through with um, with RNG's picks when they had Scion. But when they have, like, solo, only damage being put onto what it's Kai'Sa, then you can just prioritize Shove repeatedly. I think that's what C9 did. Not only did they prioritize shove throughout the early points of the day, but then they would just hard focus uh, Uzi throughout the, the entire day. So like that for me yep. to, like was very crucial in being able to pick up the early win. And then to the to your point about just collapsing, Gen G specifically Crown oh, saw it on his player awesome. crown uh, player camp. Not only did he play poorly, he had to play immediately afterwards. The guy was like, nah, you're sit you're staying sat down after your zero five performance to Jensen and uh <laughs> it was it was insane for him to stay there. So he was like, I'm playing Malzahar and he made he didn't make the same mistakes before, because like if you feed a Syndra like on uh, the first two kills, like you're pretty much out for the rest of the game. But then he goes on towards Malzahar and you can tell that he was still in a pretty bad mental space. Because he was just making really core mistakes up against Jizuke. And Jizuke and Jensen are phenomenal talent. So you can't mess up like that. Uh, so it felt bad for Genji because Kuve was still playing well. Ruler was still playing well. Uh, the rest of the team was playing aight. But uh, it's unforgiving. If you mess up that many times up against like a really well-prepared uh, opponent. So I just love the, in- like the interview that Cloud9 had afterwards where they just specifically Sneaky, said that the biggest lesson he learned through scrims was just that <laughs> you have to be able to take the fights. Like, you just have to fight. Uh, skirmishing, willing to bring in numbers for team fights, this meta, when there's just no vision on the map. I know it's been like this for about a year now. That's so crucial, and that's been how teams from developing regions have really just came out. Specifically, like, when Albus Knox Luna came out last time around, did they bring anything special? No, they just... If, like they didn't scrim all too much coming into the tournament. The special thing they brought was just all going mid and picking fights against an unsuspecting team. They did have some nice support picks though. They had like the brand and shit. But yeah, that was good. That was good too. I uh, <clears throat> I know we talked a lot about Cloud Nine, but I want to make sure we talk a little bit about Vitality before we get into calls because um, I don't know. Like with with Vitality, like okay, so Genji collapsed, so those games were kind of like a wash. Um, although it still felt hype for the West to be like, yeah, we're beating down a Korean team. This never happens. Um, mm-hmm. And and uh, Vitality's mad. Like uh, there was a world, there was a world for just a second where I was like, 
is Cloud9 going to be first seed and Vitality is going to be second seed, that would be insane. I'm sure Raz would not be happy, but uh, that would be insane. And they uh, played such fun League of Legends. Like, that was, with the exception of the Gen G games, which were, were fun for the West, I think, like, all of the games last night were so fun to watch. And, like, yeah, Kel- Kelby says this sometimes, yeah. uh, where he talks about how sometimes you have these really low-kill games in League, and it's just, like, not super fun to watch. You're, like, 13 minutes in, there's, like, two or three kills, and you're, like, uh... Like, it was just... There There would be matches where... The, one of the first times I've seen this uh, recently where you have a giant team fight, and then you have to picture-in-picture. The production team has to picture-in-picture another smaller skirmish that's happening in another lane uh, as, like, a side course to the main team fight. And I just think a lot of, uh, like, what Vitality brought to the group, like, it, I feel like they just added a little bit of secret sauce and made it so bloody. It was really fun to watch. So Yeah, I'm just sad that they ain't here. Like, the fact yeah. that they got third, and obviously that group is just hectic. So, you know, if you drop ship them to another group, they would do just fine. But Vitality, god damn, it feels bad that they're not in the tournament anymore because they're the ones that brought that secret sauce from the beginning yeah. and inspired a lot of the teams in the tournament that felt like they didn't have a chance to come out and just roll with their style. I felt like uh, it was super fun to watch them, and I hope they continue to stay together. Yeah, hey, That la- team breaks up in the offseason, I'm pissed off. Um, last question uh, before we get into calls, but should we expect what – we saw today to continue on in the next three days. Do we think that like the world's meta has shifted to this like really intense, like skirmishing situation, a lot of like really fun, unique picks. Are we going to kind of go back to, I don't know. I kind of felt like the first couple of days of worlds, I was like, ah, the meta is just not as hype as I, I want it to be. Mark and Ryan. I think I it'll, I think it's hard to say for the last two groups, but to tonight should stay pretty crazy. I think, all the groups or all the teams in Group A have like pretty different play styles. Like G two's one three running everywhere. Uh, Feng Fu and Flash Wolves are more standard team, and then like Afrika should probably be four running with Keen or at least like putting them on really scrappy tops. And I guess Feng Fu kind of do that with Zeros as well. But like either way, all those teams feel like they have really different priorities and what they want to draft. So you should see a lot of fun. Yeah. Okay. Well. Uh, let's get into calls. Um, Mark, well, here, let me, let me say, uh, topics. I pushed Mark to do this show a little bit earlier than we normally do, because I actually think there's just so much stuff to talk about. Um, obviously there's a ton of stuff to talk about from last night, but I also think it's really important that we talk a little bit about, uh, like the fact that I will dominate basically lit a match and just like the entire subreddit and Twitter and everything went up in flames. Uh, Kelby, did you miss this whole thing? I don't. I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, All I so see are spoilers. No, so basically, this was the uh, d- before yesterday's matches. Dominate tweeted. You should go scroll. Th- he's tweeted a bunch since then, but he tweeted, "NA teams don't try." One of the players uh, spent like or played 180 games of Fortnite before and during playoffs. These guys just play a bunch of games. They don't actually really try. And the entire subreddit, like I'd have never seen this happen before. Where like. It just one aided and it was just like the strongest hate train ever on yeah. just North American pros in general. I turned on my stream after the oh. the, the game before the the stream, sorry, the worlds before last night, uh, two nights ago, and the I was just arguing with Twitch chat because everybody was like, "NA pros don't actually care. 
NA pros just want to sit around on their asses and get paychecks. Like it was insane. Um, I'm sad you missed it because the hate train was real. So we can talk about that. Can I have a? Can I have a? Can I be? Put yeah. on, can I have a soapbox moment for that? Sure. Thing? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, wait, wait, wait till because somebody's going to call in and we can talk a little bit about it. Um, All right. I'll hold. I'll hold everything but, uh, before the point because fuck, before the yeah. show ends, we'll do it. Um, All right. We're good. Because I. Yeah. Me too. Um, I don't know what else. There's just a ton of different stuff to talk about. Um, uh, Mark, am I? Are there any big topics for you tonight? Uh, no. Okay. Well, it's well. been it's been pretty boring. You know, I don't really have. All right. Whatever. Wait, there's a bunch of stuff. Uh, Mark, you want to explain how it works really quickly? The 15 second spiel. Yep. So if you haven't seen the show before, I'm putting the Discord in Twitch chat. You're going to want to join up there. Once you get there, you're going to join Pleb Calls or Pleb Calls Two voice channels. You can mute yourself once you're in there. Then in the text channel, Pleb Topics, go ahead and post what it is you want to talk about. Uh, if we like what you're saying, we'll pull you into the waiting room. And from there, uh, once it's your turn, we will uh, take you, do a quick mic tech, and then bring you on to on air so you can talk about it. Uh, very good. And if you are a uh, sub for Twitch chat, um, you can link that up with Discord and you get to go ahead and put that into the sub chat channel. Um, Kelby, I'm linking you the I will dominate right ahead. Um, uh, and uh, and that gives you you can put your questions in there or your not your questions necessarily your topics because it's what we're more interested in. Um, and uh, that will uh, give you a little bit of an edge. Uh, so and it's just a way to say thank you for um, for subbing. Uh, Mark's going to help go ahead and start pulling people in a second. Uh, oh, looks like you pulled a shit ton of people. OK, uh, he's already in there. <laughs> He's he's he just Mark's ready to go. He's got an hour to do. The show's going to be a little bit shorter because we're running on his schedule. Uh, a couple of big uh, shout outs to some subs. Uh, Count zero zero one. Crave zero. The one spooky skeleton. Shelburne. Exigen 27. Uh, Legacy blurry. Flip. Uh, Jocker. Genie spool with 100 bits. Nanuku. Uh, three months. Krusty McSock. Benji. Buer. Clarinet music. Uh, can this work today? Um, for two months, Hollow Moon LL, half a year, six months. Here we go. Shinwa Achiba, a laziness, laziness, uh, five months, Ma- Mother Mango, and Wa- Warden Dresden is here. Warden Dresden, where are you calling from? I'm calling from Richfield, Idaho. Is your, uh, is your name a Dresden Files reference? It is. All right. Well, I got you. Um, what do you want to talk about on the show tonight, Warden Dresden? I want to talk about that, you know, it's been a meme for a while about the gap closing, but with both EU and NA teams doing so well, you know, showing up against not just Korea, but China uh, in their group, you know, can we say the gap is closed? No. <laughs> okay. So, Kelby, Kelby, you didn't see this earlier, but as you started talking, it? you did your analysis. Twitch chat just started spamming. Kelby said Kelby said C9 had 0% chance. Lol, lol, lol. It just the whole chat was just spamming it. You stand by your I don't know if you're memeing right now, but you seem to stand by your uh your anti-NA sentiment. Uh yeah, I mean like I think it was a really nice day of League of Legends and that's what it was. It was a really nice day of League of Legends to say the gap is closed. I need results that are more indicative of that than that, you know. I need to see a trend. Well, 
kind of what I mean by the gap being closed is that it's kind of it comes up to just on the day performance rather than, you know, that we're so far behind that we can't make it. Well, I mean, we haven't we haven't made it past quarterfinals once. Yeah, I think that's that's why I'm a little hesitant for specifically for NA to say like the gap is closed. Like, I don't think any of us expected C9 to take two games off or in a game off RNG and Italia to game off RNG, which is super cool. But I still feel like the gap is closed might be a fair statement overall, just between Korea and the rest of the world, but mostly the LPL in Korea. Yeah. Yeah. And EU has been performing at worlds for a while. I think like EU is, EU is fine. That's why we take all their players and bring them to NA, you know, NA players don't go other places. And there's a reason for that, you know? So I think like, if the question is, is the gap closing, then it's a yes, because like last year we saw how close Misfits were taking down in SKT that wasn't technically boom just yet. Um, Europe is definitely getting better. Now, results-wise, if we're just talking about where they're being put, remember Fnatic and Origin went really damn far, so like that's just a hard act to follow up. But if we're just talking about them close to being Korea... Uh, then hell yeah, like I, I think that's true. Is it closed? As, like as in just like now it's over. Even playing field, China, North America, and Europe are just like ha- hell no, hell no. We need to see an actual best of five with Cloud Nine just as soon if they can get to a semifinals. But like for me right now, is North America like evolving? Is Europe evolving? I would say I have a lot of faith of Europe right now and how Fnatic's gonna perform, and I want to see what this new Cloud9 looks like in the best of five. Because we've seen how the old Cloud9 does it. But I'm really... Uh, I'm wondering how Zazel and Licorice will be uh, performing in a best of five at a Worlds event. That is going to be hype shit for me. Is this, though... Okay, uh, to pause on the gap is close thing, because I actually... I mean, I... <sighs> I, I think an interesting way to approach this question is, is this the best performance we've ever seen from a North American team? Because in the past, North American teams have gotten out, but there's always like, oh, well, there's like that that fourth team that's not a threat, um, or like they kind of like snuck their way out because another team like upset another team. Like for me, I'm trying to think of a time where we had a North American team get out of groups that looked it did it with such style and did it looking so confident and so so much like they could have taken anybody in the group. Oh yeah, I understand. I think it was the best day for North America at a world's event. Like for me, just because not only did they take down a former like no, just the current MSI champions, but they took down a Korean team that like once again, last time that happened in a group stage was Samsung Ozone. And sure that team gets memes all hell. But that was, I think, like Gambit and Fnatic or something at that time that had to do it. So that was back then when we still saw those European teams as like gods uh, that were, at least for Gambit, just about to fade out. Um, so to me, for Cloud9 to have that kind of performance, even if it was like a, against a tilted Gen G, there were still a lot of players that were playing well. Kuve was still playing well that tournament. And licorice stood up to him and if you look towards the bottom line the fact that ruler was still playing as well as he was and genji were still having fight within them even though there's a massive gap in the mid lane i thought it was a, a great testament to how the team was playing so i mean they have to keep it up but i thought this was a great day for north america yeah 
Um, I I do feel like even if the gap has not shut, the gap has closed in some sense because if you look at it, uh, and, and you can look at the four days before too, like Korea is not nearly as strong as they once were. And while we do talk about how LPL seems to look really strong at this tournament, Europe is taking games off of them. Uh, Cloud9 did all this stuff. Like it, I mean, we'll obviously see in the next three days. Maybe this will feel really presumptuous and, um, you know, just us riding a high. But I, I do feel like I can't remember the last time it felt like um, Worlds was this unpredictable. Where, like, you don't know, like, if the Korean team is going to lose or win. Uh, you don't know if, like, the LPL team is going to be, like, the best at the event. You don't know which games Europe is going to be able to to win. And, like, North America just, like, I don't know, the, the Cloud9 thing really helped adjust, I think, where North America looked at this tournament. So, I don't know. Mark, you've been a little quiet, I think. Uh, I don't know. I think... It's one of those things that I was saying. Uh, I think on the like the, the end of day little run de- uh, cooldown thing that like this day is absolutely fucking crazy. But like, I hope we don't forget that in three more weeks, if C9 loses in quarters and LPL and LCK are the only teams really advancing through the tournament, I hope we don't forget how cool this was. But like, there's still a lot of tournament left to play. So like, yeah. we'll see how much the gap has closed. But this yeah. was. For NA, probably their best day at Worlds ever. Yeah, Warden, we're kind of uh, we're we're going quickly through the the calls tonight because we have a limited time. But do you right. have anything else that you would add, or anything you want to say on the end here? Well, I, I just really like that uh, kind of last night showed that you know you were saying it last week that it's Worlds, anything can happen, and you know maybe anything actually can happen this Worlds. Yeah. Travis yeah. Gafford, the greatest analyst on this show. Oh well, I don't my know. God. It could happen. <laughs> Anything could happen. And it guys. did. And it did. Kelby and said it, it wouldn't did. happen. Kelby said CDOT has 0% chance low. I don't even know if he said that, but Twitch chat's repeating enough that I It believe. doesn't matter at this point. Kelby I definitely said that. said that. I was, I like, my pickums had no North American coming out. I was on the plan cooldown social saying, hey guys, NA teams, not going to make it out. Yeah. And then after all that bullshit that went through on Reddit, I was like, Hey guys, you know I'm a fl- I'm a fan of I don't know if there's any a- NHL fans out there. I'm a fan of this team called Calgary Flames. They played poorly throughout the season. I don't expect anything from them. And then the next day, no, that literal day was Quad Nine coming out of group. So I think uh, yeah. I mean, Mark, you uh, did. That was nice. Mark, did you pull anybody to talk about I, the one topic that I wanted to add in there was the analyst bias or or broadcast bias? Did you bring, pull anybody for that? Uh, there's someone who wants to just talk about like, oh, I didn't notice that. Like they're not at the actual event. Okay. Kind of well, maybe we'll tackle we it. Maybe then. lump it in there. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. Cool. Uh, thank you, Warden Dresden, for the call. Yeah. Thanks for letting me on. Yeah. Have a good one. All right. Uh, catching up on some more subs. Where are we? Um, Mother Mango for two months. Ten K cold nights. Two months. United Poggers. What the fuck, Travis? Mr. Fanic seven four months. I uh, love your interviews. Killing, keep killing the game. Thank you, Aaron Zale. Uh, Sercretions two months. Great job so far, Travis. Much love from U.GG. Sercretions in the chat, uh, helping to run some of the marketing stuff over at uh, U.GG. Uh, cool for Joe. Gift a sub to Alpha Griffin. 
the pack 69 for four months of Frigio two months. Thank you, Travis, for getting sneaky to play pizza Sivery. Yeah, no problem. No problem. That was me. Uh, McKype subbed with Twitch prime. Slingo man is here. Slingo man. Where are you calling from? Uh, California, Apple Valley, Apple Valley. Oh, that is, um, where's Apple Valley? At? It's up That's near about... Victorville. You drive through it on your oh, way okay, okay. to Vegas. Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. um, mostly tumbleweeds, I think. Uh, yeah. Uh, Shockingly, no. And what? Oh, I wish. <laughs> make make the case for Apple Valley for me, Slingo Man, because I I don't I've driven through it a million times. So Roy Rogers lives here, or used to live here. Obviously, doesn't anymore. Uh, Roy Rogers, big house on top of the hill overlooking the entire city, and it's just becoming a ginormous uh, city, in my opinion. But then again, I've lived here my whole life, so <laughs> I. Listen, I normally make fun of people who live in, um, but you, I appreciate that you came out swinging. On that, that, was, that was good. That was good. This is the first time I've heard that on the show. Normally, I make fun of people. I normally make fun of people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's uh, just a great way. <laughs> what do you What do you want to talk about on the show tonight, man? Okay, so with last night's games for C nine, I think that them improving the way they are. Uh, gives them hopes for them just getting out of semis. It's it, but in my opinion, it's just quarters? not like or semis. Well, well, semis and quarters. I just think that I don't think they're going to get far enough to actually win worlds. I like that. Uh, by the way, sorry, I like that in this pitch. You've already moved them past quarters. Yeah, you're like. I mean, yeah. they're yeah. they're yeah. on their way to finals. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that yeah, that sounds about right. Um, sorry, go ahead. No, it's just no. You're good. Um, no, yeah, I don't think they're going to get far enough. Like, they'll get into semis, uh, getting past semis, but I think if they do make it to finals, that whoever they're playing against, which looks to be a lot like either KT or... Uh, what was that other team? Well, primarily KT. I feel like they're the ones that are going to go towards finals. Uh, but And I've, everybody's talking about how RNG is like, oh, RNG is going to be the final boss of Worlds this year. Now, in my book, I don't see it. Especially seeing how they played against C9 last night, I really don't think that... Assuming how the draft goes, I don't think they will be able to do good against it, especially if it ends up uh, being C9 versus RNG, uh, or C9 versus KT. If KT specifically ends up in finals with C9, if Licorice pulls out like a Lissandra or a Hecarim, I think that'll throw them off and it'll basically just be like, whoa, what the hell are we going to do about this? Uh, so a couple things to hop in here on. And I guess I'll work backwards. KT versus C9 in the finals. Let's talk about that when it gets there. And I doubt KT would be surprised by a Hecarim or Lissandra, two things that Licorice has been playing a fair amount. RNG is the interesting one for me. Like, if they're still tournament favorites after last night, it's tough for me to say. I'd love to hear what Raz thinks. But I was actually not very impressed with their win over C9. Like, they picked three winning lanes, essentially, in, like, a really aggressive early game team comp and could not actually blow open the early game versus C9, uh, who were playing very well, to be fair. Uh, but then, like, you know, Kelby was saying that C9 team fighting wasn't clean. I think it's more like RNG is arguably the best team fighting team in the world. And like C9 had a better comp and couldn't actually close the game out because RNG was playing super well. Zhao, whose stuns were disgusting. Like, and I felt 
very confident in RNG's team fighting still, but the fact that they didn't have what should have felt like to me like that extra gear that they kick up to and, and like stomp when MLXG is in. Like MLXG came in, he was supposed to stomp, and he didn't fucking do it. He did against Gen.G, but like Gen.G was a wet rag at that point. So I'm a, I don't know if I still consider our RNG tournament favorites. I thought MLSG looked super bad against C9. Like, he was the worst player on their team in that game. Like, he, he had some really questionable Nocturne play. Like, I felt like Sven had a much better presence on the map playing Nocturne when he was doing it uh, than MLSG did. But I think that, like I said, what, what I saw from C9 last night was, let's be fair, form that they haven't shown in a really long time. And credit to them because they did an awesome job. If they keep playing like that and they have something other than like, if they, if they can win without Shen and knock and Hecarim and like, you know, like a really good, uh, like initiator, like roaming top for licorice, then, then I believe. But if that was like, if that's their only style in draft and like RNG showed us how to beat it last night in drafting, then that I'm concerned for them. Um, one thing I got to, Oh yeah. Go on, go on. No, 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 you're good. Because, okay, okay. like, first and foremost, let's just let's just put out the first thing. Let's think about quarterfinals first before we go to the finals itself. <laughs> we haven't actually had a best of five just yet for Cloud9. We saw yeah. them going up against RNG, and RNG, sure, a great team fighting team, but, like, they had one damage in that composition in the game in which Cloud9 won, where ordinarily RNG this year have found strength in finding multiple carries throughout, like, Xiaohu. Um, I already talked about Carsa, but obviously they can swap between both Carsa and MLXG, depending on how risky they want to play that dice. And Lemmy has had a great uh, performance during the year. So, like, if you've ever just put yourself, limit yourself that much against a Sivir Comp 2, where Sivir not only will get shoved and have a free laning phase, but then if she's dealing with a bunch of meatheads like, that she can ricochet pretty easily in, that makes it easier for Cloud9 in that. What I'm essentially saying is we need a best of five. Like every like when when NA gets thrown into a quarterfinals, we need a best of five for them to actually go through. That being said, the first point about RNG, yeah, whether they're tournament favorites anymore. Like, yeah, that's a real question I have now. I think RNG finding weakness in a best of one setting is, is definitely telling. We need to see them in a best of five. But... It does put a focal, uh, some more focus on KT, Invictus Gaming, and how they're going to be playing it out before the quarterfinals. The quarterfinals are an entirely different beast before, like, um, that really tests you on your adaptation skills. Then Cloud9 showcased that they had a really good strategy, one go ahead, and now yeah. they need to show that they can consistently find uh, something to move, lean back on. Yeah. Because remember, be Cloud9 versus Gambit was some shit. That wasn't easy for yeah. them. Like, that wasn't. That was not easy. Like we can't talk about the finals when Cloud Nine went up against Gambit and then just nearly fell out of the tournament. Right. Wouldn't it be funny if after all this gap is closing conversation and like, oh, I don't know about Korea, KT just like clean walks into the finals and then takes it. Uh, I don't even think Korea. that's like unlikely. What's that? Yeah, KT looks pretty good. No, no, no. I know. I, I just mean like, likely, yeah. I, but I think there's a really good chance that they do it really easily, right? Like SKT style, where it's just like everything is. There's no challenge, and and I had hoped previously that like RNG looked like a giant big threat, 
But those guys are losing to NA teams. How embarrassing. And yeah. EU. They lost to both Western teams. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but I North think America. It, I think even if KT does like run the tournament, though, it does say a lot if Africa and uh, Gen G both don't make it out of groups. Like, that's real bad. You only had one team that did anything. Yeah, come on. I think uh, this is, for me, when I was following Korea, this is one of the worst splits that Korea's had in terms of finding, uh, like, consistent teams because teams really did fall off. Like, SKT was a team that fell off. I would say Genji, while they turned it up uh, during the gauntlet, that team had, like, they were, like, fifth-place team in the in, in the LCK. And for them, they still had a lot of questions that obviously weren't answered for, like, some of their individual players. So... For me, like for Korean fans, they're going to be like, can we please take Griffin, Kingzone, like two teams that would definitely perform well. People like, I know Kingzone, there's a large meme about how they performed, but they went to the finals in MSI, so they would 100% be a better performer than Gen G. But that being said, like Gen G and Afrika Freaks are two teams that are, are still teams that we'd like, we had a lot of respect for coming into the tournament. But they're also... A, teams that are fairly risk uh, risky so like this is the most this is a different face for korea than we've seen in the past yeah, oh, yeah a face i think that is a lot more riskier that. and they'll just kind of we don't know what we'll see until the day comes yeah everyone obviously wants to see griffin and i think like looking at their domestic performance yeah they looked way better than what we're seeing out of teams here but like there's no reason that like griffin wouldn't have shown up here and choked or something too yeah. or or struggled like you can't just assume that like oh if griffin was here they would have smashed yeah because like TSM they, they lost here. to gen g they'd look great did gen g have any roster changeover from when they were world nope. champions last year it's it's the see, only 100 percent returning roster see that's the yeah, thing they had, These... they had at least some subs like fly was an option but obviously they they kept it 100 percent like the same players that's why this team's collapse is so surprising to me is because they've already obviously proven that they can handle the pressure of the world stage. And last year, I think, you know, when you go into a finals against SKT, even though SKT last year, like, eh, how strong were they really? Um, like, it's not easy to play finals against Faker. Like, that, that can't be mentally easy. And then they come to this event and they just like, oh, man, so... It's so weird to me, but yeah. anything can happen. Yeah, and there are a few teams in the world that are really just, um, they oh. thrive really well. Oh, who died? What's happening here? Mark? Rest, rest in peace. <laughs> that, that uh, my webcam did my typical not wanting to be on. Yeah. Uh, that's excellent. And that's it switches, and Ari switches to the really other like, one, which is great. New Ang. That kind of fits teams, into... Oh, uh, Jesus. Oh, sorry. What's going on here? Go ahead. What's happening? That kind of fits into, like, uh, I heard a, a rumor recently, or not even a rumor, it's just more of a thought, of how everybody's saying that this is probably the most balanced worlds as far as team compatibility. Uh, then people are saying, like, without SKT being here, or just, like, the really big name teams being here, like, not all of them, like, most of them are, but not all of them, like, how they just, it's more of a balanced, fair play style. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think that that might be true, Mark? It's a I don't know if lineup. It's it's it feels like there's less of a defined meta this world. So like I think Raz was saying that it's like super scrappy 
uh, meta and like there's less vision and yada, yada, yada. I think all that's true. And I think there's no like, because there wasn't any big patches and a lot of stuff was about nerfs in the last like three weeks. I mean, maybe they didn't get to Urgot quite like they should have, but there's no like overwhelming item in the meta that you're like, build this item, ardent sensor, or like, hey, look at all these bullshit buffs that just came into juggernauts. And so as a result, they've done a good job of like tuning it so most lanes can pick carries and you can play through that lane. Uh, you see it in top, you see it in mid, you see it in bot. And at any point, one of those can work. There's still power picks, of course, that people seem to prefer. Um, but I think it's a pretty balanced meta, which then allows teams to find their like teams that have a certain play style are suddenly not like nerfed coming into worlds. Like if you were a team heading into worlds last year that didn't want to play around their marksman, you just you were just fucking worst team. Yeah, which is great for a team like Gen G slash Samsung who have crown who's kind of doo doo, but they have ruler who's great. And so Crown gets Malzahar duty and Ruler gets all the resources. And like that's not how this worked this year. People were playing LeBlanc and Aurelia's and skill matchups, and he got dumpstered. Can I ask a question about something you said? Because I noticed this when I was watching the games. And I don't know if it was just a product of, you know, like the first time I was like analytically watching League for a while. And all these games, I was like, the, the map is dark, like past like 30 minutes, it feels like, like compared to in the past, like, and what did they change about the game where like you can't have as much vision control anymore? So this is a really interesting topic we've been discussing a lot off air, but we are, we're having a hard time finding ways to correctly represent it on air. Um, the wards per minute are actually not that different than previous years, but what is different in my mind is that like a lot of the wards that go down are fake shitty trinket wards. And so even though if the numbers stay the same, it's not actually as many wards. So like before way way back and everyone could buy awards right mm -hmm. and like you would have um just green wards and pink wards getting thrown down they eventually went to the trinket system but even then the jungler would usually have a sight stone themselves or the green ward dropping one and that's gone and so you only have like the support item that builds into real consistent wards and a lot of the trinket wards that you drop in the early game uh you know they're only 120 seconds and they scale up to 180 i believe so i think or like you get a blue trinket, which counts as a ward, I'm pretty sure. Uh, but it, it gets one hit and it's visible and you don't even need a pink ward to clear. So what I think is happening uh, is just like there's less consistent vi vision available in the mid to late game. Whereas early game is actually a little bit more because people don't actually need to spend money on green wards. They just get trinkets. It's mm -hmm. like the, the count isn't lower, but the amount of actual vision you're getting is lower. Um that's what I think has happened with vision because it, it, it is much harder to like choke people out with vision. Like that just doesn't really yeah. happen anymore. Hey, uh, we need one to, thing we have to remember it. Oh, like, just, for just, me, just like, go quick. Yeah. All right. All right. Cause, uh, vision for me, like it's still a major factor. I think yesterday yeah. we saw a lot of brute forcing. So while that's true, we'll reality will start to settle in, you know, a few days, we'll see KT start playing. We'll see Invictus Gaming start playing. I'm sure skirmishing heavy. Uh, all of the, the the nice, fun action is still going to be re uh, relevant. But in this specific group, we got to see Gen G that collapsed mechanically on mid lane, and we got to see RNG that had a lot of drafting errors, but at the same time were matched in team fighting. So, well, that was great in this group. I think as we'll see in a best of five setting, we'll see adaptations. We'll see some normalcy, but completely agree with the whole vision point. 
Uh, all right. Thank you so much to our caller, Slingo Man, for the uh, the call. Thanks. Have a good one. No worries. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Thank Thanks, dude. Mark, really quickly, uh, before you grab the next caller, I want to talk about our mystery sponsor. That's right, everybody. This show is... Hang on. I need to move. Okay, there we go. This show is sponsored, uh, but we can't tell you by who. But I'll give you some hints, okay? I'll give you some hints. If you got, you guys might be able to figure this out. All right. Company, or company. Okay, that's hint number Mastercard. one. Mastercard. Number two, no, not not Mastercard. Number two, they make products. They're good. They're good products. Number three, they're sponsoring the show. That's the third. The third hint that you get. That they're sponsoring the show. They make amazing stuff. It's not. It's not. Stop, Raz. Okay, my bad. How dare you? How dare you it's suggest those brands and not the brand that this actually is? They're amazing. Yeah, they it's support the show. Insulting almost to this brand. Yes, exactly. How dare you besmirch this brand by suggesting those brands? Uh, I just want to say thank you so much to their sponsorship of the show. Uh, it helps make the show possible. Um, it's the reason why Mark was willing to wake up this morning, uh, early this night, early, and come on the show. Uh, he wasn't gonna. And then I, I called them up and I said, Mark needs more money. We got to up this deal. And they said, let's do it. After that Cloud9 win, said, we get, we'll do it. More, fam. Yeah. So uh, anyway, thank you so much to our mystery sponsor here for the support of the show. Can't wait to tell you guys about them in the future. All right, let's move on to the next caller. What if it was mystery flavor airheads? Um, it's not mystery flavor airheads. It's not. It's not Viagra either. Um, in Twitch chat. Um, it's not that. Let's see. All right. Um, and no, it's not any pornography site. Uh, thank, thank you to CG Shadow, uh, two months Mario, three months. I never doubted C9, now I just got to make it to semis like I predicted back in August. REC1, two months. Uh, hello, Raz, for fuck's sake. Alt Battery, Isolato. Uh, oh, Cursed Videos, hosted me with 24 viewers. Thank you. Toxfire, CT Mason 39, Flame and Sheep, Xberry Hill. And uh, Washer is on the show. Washer, where are you calling from? A Boston University dormitory. A Boston University dormitory. You're a little quiet, so I'm going to turn you up. I don't know if there's a way for you to move the microphone a little closer, but um, what do you want to talk about on the show tonight from a Boston University dormitory? Uh, Joe will talk about China. Talk about China. Okay, very good. That's well, my kind of topic. Let's yeah, go. We've got Raz on the show, so this will be great. Um, what do you got for us? So um, RNG played today, um, even though it didn't really go that well. I'd, you'd still say they're favorites with KT, right? Well, that's what uh, we were just saying. We're not sure anymore. Oh. Well, I think even if even if RNG is no longer like 50-50 with KT for now, like the next two teams that you're looking at as powerhouses are probably still RNG and IG. Yeah, also I wouldn't, I wouldn't count out RNG just yet because while this was a day for them, remember, like, that was a major kick in the ass for a lot of the players. And so for yeah. how well they performed, not only just in MSI, but throughout the year, uh, um, regionally, they'd just go back to 
what's been working for them. Shahu at the very last game came out and had his Syndra play. So I think like a major lesson for them is that they're not going to have those specific Uzi only compositions because Vitality and C9 just simply focus that not only in team fights picked them out, but Vitality like had the most tilting early game. Like they got blasted early versus RNG. Where they just like sent Scion running down bottom lane, where they just hard committed without really waiting until Uzi was staying under tower. Because that was just their strategy was just hard trying to focus on Uzi. And that was a lesson that RNG learned throughout the year. So they'll go back to it. They'll put power into uh, Let Me and Shahu. And I think that will they be tournament favorites? I'd still, I wouldn't take them out of the picture. It just gives KT and Invictus Gaming a little bit more of a push to watch for. Yeah, I think RNG, I think their drafts were not the best today, but their mechanics, I think, were on point, and they, I think, should still be favorites along with KT and IG. I do have to say one thing about IG. Honestly, their regular season was so good that if RNG doesn't exist, I think people would start calling IG the next Samsung White. That's how good the regular season was, really. <laughs> like, the regular season, I agree, like, in the sense that, like, anybody that hasn't watched the LPL regular season, they had a historic season where they just only dropped one set in spring split and one set during the summer split. They dropped two split sets overall, and it was just the RNG. And then they went to the spring fi- uh, playoffs, and then lost in the semifinals to RNG because the shy you know, had his hand broken, so they had to put in Duke and they had to practice with Duke. And then they went up to the finals and went to a game five. So like at every point during the season, they got fucked only by RNG, <laughs> which was insane for them. And if it wasn't, if RNG wasn't playing as well as they were, it, we'd be talking about Invictus Gaming being favorites alongside KT. So that's why two of those teams, now that they're in to, uh, at an international event. It's going to be fun to see both those teams and KT. So, like, overall, I'd say that this is the best chance China has to win Worlds in a while. 100%. I like this guy. We should have more callers like exactly like this man. Yeah. Get everyone in that Boston dormitory and, like, send them a call immediately. All right, I'll get the BU Gaming Club. Maybe Cerulean can come on or something. But um, my overall point is that it, China should honestly win Worlds, and if not this year, they should go on a winning streak akin to Korea. And my reasoning is that their user base is, Frostgrunz made this point, but their user base is utterly huge. 1.4 billion people, widely projected to take over number one overall GDP within the next 20 years. Just a reminder, their server is, I think they have like 21 servers. That's the right number? Yeah, when you say user base though, you mean potential user base. Well that, well, that too, that leads into my point of what could yeah. take them, hold them back from reaching uh, a, a Korean akin dynasty. Um, because Ionia is as large as a bunch of servers holding whole regions, except they only host Diamond 2 and over. So, top 10% of users. And the popularity of League in China can be traced, because I mean, Panda TV, I think, had 3 million viewers. Like, they inflate their viewer counts, but still, that's a lot of viewers today. Um, their popularity can trace to two things, uh, we winning IPL5 and Tencent buying outright games, which leads to the thing that could honestly hold them back. Because if you've been following the news recently, Tencent stock has gone down 35% in the past few months. And yeah. they, it's a market cap loss of 
$250 billion. To put this into perspective, that LaFerrari that the King Esports owner wrecked a few years ago, he could have bought 250,000 LaFerraris with that market cap loss. So the thing is, the one China could honestly go on a dynasty run. The thing that could hold them back is government regulation, because the thing that's holding Tencent back is China thinking, what if games are some sort of rebellion and we want to restrict that? Because China's restricted things in the past. Just a few weeks ago, they banned Twitch. Twitter is very restricted. If you don't have a VPN, it is hard to use a lot of users' sites in China. So the real question is, how far will China go and will it hurt their esports aspirations. Caller, I'm a little worried. You're you're gonna you're risking Raz's connection to the show. Uh, he's gonna he's gonna. Raz isn't something. saying any uh, of this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, wait, what's what's the question? Is it just like how far they no, go? So I think speculating. I think the yeah, concerns yeah. are the concerns are that uh, China is potentially cracking down on video game usage and video game playing, which would in fact impact the player base of League of Legends. But do we know do we know that it is impacting the player base of League of Legends? Like I don't know if I see a direct as, corollary. As of right now, they could probably get away with it and their user base would still be fine, but with what they're doing with games like PUBG, it could honestly take a big crack if they go any further. I mean, that, I don't think but it could really, be the opposite thing. If uh, they're banning other games, yeah. like people will go play League of Legends. The thing is the the thing is, they're also banned by Tencent. The thing is, will, will they stop? The thing is, they, they, okay, let me focus. What if they go to League? That's the question. Because if they don't go to League, well, China's user base keeps growing. But if they do, well, then it could take a massive hit. Yeah, maybe. But, like, I feel like it's weird to just discuss China's, like, uh, potential political crackdown as a thing that could be a problem it feels like very it's it's possible i understand it's very well within the realm of possibilities but uh it feels weird to tie in those kinds of points to the fact that like currently right now league of legends is fucking massive in china yeah uh people talk about how there's just billboards plastered all over the place you're getting massive investment from these teams and oh, I, agree. I agree yeah like i don't think china wants to like fuck themselves and I yeah, think yeah. something they, so. they care about. So, like, I don't think that they'll just, like, destroy their own interests a little bit. Right. Yeah, it's, it's actually, like, I think uh, a lot of the, the fear about, like, the Chinese government, or at least, like, the crackdown is overblown a lot of the time. It's not, like, they won't cut in deep into their own pockets. This is, it's not going to happen. Yeah, like, Twitch, Twitch, is not, Twitch is not a China product. They don't give a fuck about Twitch. So when they ban yeah. it, they're like, yeah, I know, right? well, that's why they banned Google, because they buy to make tons of money. So like one of the yeah, my biggest thing about this is like the only thing that I'm not like that I actually care about that's happening uh, Chinese government wise is that they're trying to um, not destroy the eyes of the children in the future. So like the government has been trying to like crack down, not crack down, but there's been laws about uh, how long someone can stay in front of like a game or a specific game. I don't know what's happening with that legislation. So like that's something you have to be afraid, like uh, like aware about. But nothing crazy, nothing at all is going to happen with esports for a long well, time for China. If it moves away from League of Legends in two years or something or three years, then they'll just move on to another mobile game because there are so many other esports that are just popular right now. So I think that the whole thing about uh, fearing the government's involvement in a game, in an esport, it's, it's not going to happen. All right. Well, I, I, that was great to hear. Thoughts on that. Um, one more thing. 
Okay. A CLG Discord uh, asked me to say about this. Um, what are your opinions on the whole alleged leaking of scrims that G2 Perks alleged today? Okay, so I like two things I'll say about this is um, the Advamne one. I'm going to specifically talk about the Advamne one because that was brought in a little earlier. He was talking about uh, back when H2K were at Worlds and I'm in EDG, you know, a lot of that. So we don't know what they know. Like, that's the biggest thing that we have to be aware about. But remember, I'm in EDG. I'm used to be a sister team of EDG. Like, I'm literally in the developmental league was EDE. So, and they brought in. A lot of them were EDG players, and then the coaching staff were brought in from EDG. So it's hard to ever tell, especially if you're like an international player or coach coming into it, which player or which coach is from which team. That's when I like, regardless of region, I wouldn't. And I'm. Just, it's obviously like talking about the past, but would I scrim a team if I'm going up against a team that's that closely affiliated to them in the past? I would, and I think that's something that's specific to an H2K incident. Do I think that RNG like least like found out information about you know uh, Gen G stacking on bottom lane bush? I think that's I think that's reckless to say that honestly, unless if they know specifically because if whatever if G two has been scrimming Gen G and they know that information, I would like to obviously find out how that came out. But I think that it was literally just Olaf best level one Thresh level one. They saw Lucian Nami, which has been a Rogue Warrior strat of like cheesing the shit out of them level one. They went into Tribush and then they kept going. That's what I saw. But uh, I think that you never know with scrim leaking uh, controversies and worlds. But with the uh, EDG uh, IMA one specifically, I would say it's plausible. One thing I would say to that that's loosely connected is that whenever uh, EG... Uh, goes to TI for Dota championships, mm. we always, or sorry, we, past tense, uh, it was always assumed that the Chinese teams uh, shared scrim uh, results with each other because we saw a lot of evidence of it in matches and stuff. Not okay. saying that Dota culturally is the same as League of Legends amongst Chinese teams, but it was something we were super conscious of. Mm-hmm. It's also the kind of thing where, like, I think the amount of leaking that happens at worlds like is i feel like everyone does it uh, whether it's con- conscious or not like a one western player will ask another western player like hey how are your scrims going oh we're getting shit on seeing a lot of this pick feeling pretty rough yada 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 and you know like those kind of conversations happen all the time it feels like and so if someone's like going and saying like hey you know guess what rng Gen G did this level one to us five specific times. Like maybe that's what they did, but it also could have just been a thing where it's like, man, those Gen G guys are such fucking cheesers. And then, you know, like I, I, I think it, it's hard to speculate on exactly what happened. Yeah. I think that one we'll probably never find out unless if someone just leaked, like sends, <laughs> sends as much information as possible to prove it. But that one will always be a tough one. I don't think anyone will ever come out and, and give evidence to if RNG were leaking scrim on that one, but I don't know about the scrim uh, uh, culture with China, so it's it's always difficult with that one. Guess hey, we'll have to refresh way though. Washer, thank you so much for the call, um, and thank good to you. hear that CLG still has a community. Oh God, uh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. That the All last right. time I was actually on here was saying we CLG actually got to go pretty quick here. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was bad. Sorry. Sorry, yeah. Washer. Oh, 
We left. <laughs> we have 15 minutes and three callers, so okay. no one gets any uh, extra time. Okay, go grab somebody else. Uh, let's see. Single man, uh, sack playing. Uh, Real Foxy gifted sub to Endercast, the gaming orange two months, blame game lol, Rebelcom for nine months, Ranner TV for nine months, Big White Goon for two, Bebop 1988, uh, and Fuber2 with Twitch Prime, or sorry, with the tier one, uh, Jenny's Pool 100 bits, and we're here. Dr. Manhattan is on the show. Dr. Manhattan, where are you calling from? I'm calling from Washington, D.C. Washington, D.C. You're a little quiet. I don't know if you can get a little closer to your mic. Uh, is that better? Yeah, that's way better. Um, okay, really quickly, what's your topic? Uh, my topic is on the idea of, and I, I know people are going to kind of get upset about it, but I will explain later. The idea that I feel like worlds on some level, I feel like people just with results of worlds kind of absolve to some uh, domestic results to some degree. And I think it's to the point where it's like a team can completely be absolved of everything that they do domestically based on inter- based on inter- their international results. Absolved as in, do you mean like, like if they sucked domestically, they can do well? Or do you mean like, like it in, can just... In that, in that sense, yeah. Okay. I think it goes both ways too. Like someone can have a poopy domestic thing gets good or you have a great domestic thing and it gets ignored because of your world's performance. So. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I think... Raz, LPL is probably one of the best regions to talk about this with. Oh, I'm baby. With uh, Name and EDG, Clearlove, and Uzi, who actually got relegated once. But, like, Western fans just think Uzi is this unconquerable god, even though, like, he did not perform well domestically for a really long period of time. Yeah, uh, I think literally both faces of uh, Royal and EDG. Royal, when it comes to domestic performance, it's not that they were ever bad, but I would say mediocre compared to, like, one of the best teams. I remember there was that Lucian meta where the placement of Royal like got buffed up so much because Lucian was busted and Uzi was obviously like the best AD carry. So there are times where you just see Royal and you're like, wow, this is just garbage. And then the third party tournament they played just before Worlds where there's like turmoil within the team and they get into Worlds where everyone's watching and it's like, hey, we're just fine. We're actually we're stopping groups. We get to a best of five. We carry around Uzi. And then for EDG, EDG has been like the most successful team domestically. And then they get into an international stage and like everything goes wrong post 15 minutes. <laughs> so 100%. But like, that's what it counts. No one gives a shit about your tournament, like your regular season. No one gives a damn about it. It's supposed to place you into a playoff bracket. That's where all the fun comes down. That's where all the pressure is. Because uh, when, when you should feel the pressure is when you should perform. And I think that's what we forget a lot about in League because League is really just put into these random best of like ones structure, regular season structure. That when we get to an actual bracket format that some people forget how to play the game. You know what? That's that's really what we should care the most about, I think. I think um, one of the sort of side tangents I'd go off on this is um, the championship point system it's really interesting to me because i feel like vitality who correct me if i'm wrong but i think they came in because of the championship point system right um they they came in and i feel like that's a great argument for having a championship point system um and then interestingly 
I feel like Hundred Thieves and possibly Afrika, who I, I believe it was Afrika that qualified via championship points, right? Also, arguments against having a championship point system, and I guess we'll see about Hundred T. I don't have too much faith, so I just think it's interesting that um, you it's it's a you're you're seeing it both situations here. Where like I feel like Europe could could totally walk away from this, being like we want to keep that. And North America could totally walk away from this being like, we don't want that. Yeah. Also, and I'm also saying this kind of as like, I'm speaking, and people are saying like, oh, TL fan or Salty TL. I'm actually a, a pretty hardcore C9 fan. And we make, they make top eight for the past how many world championships now in a row? Yeah. This is going to be the third one. But how many people will hold the fact that they have not won a split, like kind of over their head, despite the amount of top eight they had? Like, that's the, that's where I kind of, in in my lens yeah i think it's i think it's the kind of thing too where like when you're using a whole year and then judging that year based off one tournament is really crazy like a team like 100 thieves did a great job in their first off season finding talent building a, a, a good roster and marketing it well and doing all this great stuff and like they deserve all the credit in the world for spring um but then like they also messed up I would say the roster or the roster was going to inherently explode. Maybe it's not really their fault, but either way, like the world's roster is not that roster. And like, you know, I think you, you should judge both, both of those two rosters, even though it's the same team separately. Same with like, um, you know, C9 or TSM. They're not a good example. This world's uh, Griffin, I guess maybe like unbelievable team in Korea. They have a gauntlet as well. And then they lost in the gauntlet, even though they made the finals and played KT in five games in the finals. Mm -hmm. Like, it's one of those things where it's it's really hard to balance making spring split matter and yeah. An interesting potential solve there is that a lot of other games do where you get points for different parts, but it's based on an individual player basis, not like a team. So like if Medios leaves, like you know they lose one fifth of their points or whatever. That would be really interesting. One. It's very, very yeah, different wow. philosophically than anything Riot's done before, but I think that'd be really interesting. Yeah. And it makes sense because what Mark is saying, I think, is absolutely true. Yeah. Hey. Yeah, on the hundred views point, I absolutely do agree. Hey, Doctor Manhattan, thank you so much for calling in. It's a pleasure, as always, to be on the show. Yeah. Have a good one. That was a good caller. I like that guy. Yeah, he calls in frequently. He's cool. Nice. Uh, all right. Uh, Vonisser OG four seven one seven. Uh, Hot dog water three two one. Uni Moose Mike. Yim Bob. Uh, Voltex Vinny with eleven months. John the first Damn. and Rudd Belzy for five months. Hello, lads. Remember, uh, the best way to celebrate a North America victory last night is by supporting a North America show with a Twitch Prime sub or a tier one sub, all the way up to tier three, bits, whatever. Julius is here. Julius, where are you calling from? I am calling from Ann Arbor, Michigan. Ann Arbor, Michigan. Uh, what do you want to talk about on the show tonight? So I want to talk about how kind of over time, especially this world's Korea's too generic of a region with how they play and that playing for macro playing the slow game it eventually won't work right because theoretically every region should eventually have perfect macro so then it should come down just which team is better able to execute and have better mechanics and you're starting to see that this year especially with uh, lpl teams i would uh, say the opposite i would i would say that career right now is actually changed like KT as a team, like I remember I, I went through, like when I was streaming VODs for or Korea, 
Like I have two different KTs, a KT that's slow that we saw in Rift Rivals that can play it smart, that have five incredibly strong players. And then we have like the monkey KTs that just dive you repeatedly because they're really confident in their own mechanics. That's like, you have Smab and used to be Pom, but I guess UCAL, where they are just a really aggressive team. I think that they have like a style that's not boring. I think Kingzone, when they came out in Spring Split, they were not boring. They had Khan in the top lane that just like had a ridiculous carry potential. They had to care a lot about individual skill and mechanics. And then um, Afrika Freaks are literally the most opposite of a boring team to watch, where Keen and Spirit and like Kuro to a degree are like really fun players to watch. I think Korea had to really reshape themselves from being boring teams that care about vision to being really hectic teams that are now just really risky to watch. So I think that I, would, I would actually say that that's been the complete opposite of what's been happening. Um, I think Gen G were the team that were like slow paced, obviously, like tried to care a lot about the team fights, which really catered to the last patch in which they got through in Gauntlet. You saw, you got to see a lot of their team fighting, but then obviously they got their ass beat. So like <laughs> they're gone now. I think this has been a much different career. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's also like you don't you don't see them here, Griffin, but they were like balls to the wall fighting all the time. They they would like fight four v fives. They fight everything, and they were good at it. And they didn't have any championship points because they didn't exist in spring. And then finals sucked. And then they obviously, I I would say they they choked. Feels like a weird word because Genji was playing decently well in in Gauntlet, um, but like. Yeah, I think Gen G's leaving a really bad taste in people's mouth and the Freaka choking for what feels like right now is leaving a bad taste in people's mouth. But like I think LPL has definitely caught up and this is a, a great meta where team fighting and skirmishing is, is more heavily rewarded than it has been in the past. And but I don't feel like Korea failed to adapt to that. I feel like LPL has leveled up. They've they've done a lot more with their infrastructure, the franchising that's happened over there to like make them a better region as well as a, a meta that plays their strengths better. Yeah, and I think, I think right now teams are trying to meet each other in the middle. Korean teams yep. are trying to be a lot more skirmish-heavy or fight-heavy. And the Chinese teams, the way they've leveled up is have actually have a larger infrastructure, coaching staff. The vision control is starting to get a lot better for a lot of these teams. And so you're just seeing uh, both of them are trying to adapt to the meta. Yeah, and I think that is true this year. But I think uh, KT, Griffin, and Africa are definitely the standouts, especially with um, Griffin uh, was playing super balls of team fights, and then KT, super dominant early game, and they eventually had to clean up their macro. But uh, I feel like as the rest of the region still kind of is getting to the point where they can play that macro game slowly, and you're starting to see uh, other teams like Vitality especially, where if they, sometimes they just do things where you have to react. And uh, Korean teams especially, they need to get in the habit of being able to react, right? Like, if they're doing something kind of crazy, you can just sit there and what are they doing? I, I agree, like, in principle, I guess, but, like, I don't think... Oh, I, I don't think, like, Crown being poop in the mid lane is, is a response to that. I think he's just not having... I don't think he's playing well, and I don't think he was ever, even in the height of his power, like, a dominant mid laner, and so he's just kind of getting crushed. So... I think they have a lot of spillover that goes down in the bot lane, the top lane, and they made those kind of mistakes. Uh, but like, I don't think that's indicative of like them or like their entire region having those problems. Yeah, and and for me, like uh, when Genji or Samsung at the time 
worlds. Like for me, the biggest meme was the fact that Crown played triple Malzahar games on a world stage. So for me, there was already like champions that you identified this team were not only were they just catered towards specifically team fighting, they were a team fighting team that didn't care so much about the laning phase, but they continue on even in a meta where we were seeing so like a lot less of Malzahar. So I think Crown, it's good that Gen G throughout the split were trying to challenge his position. And so it's sad that we couldn't get to see Fly play on stage. But uh, for me, that's the best thing about League of Legends is the fact that you can just like really challenge your players a lot of the times when patches change consistently, that you can't just have the same roster every year. Like you do have to uh, update your roster, say, oh, you know, can you play the new meta? If it's not possible, then we can challenge your position. Genji failed to do that. It was very apparent with today. And so I feel like it was just a very specific to Genji issue today. Like Genji fucked up and they were the team that got through the gauntlet based off of their team fighting. Now we have to challenge a freak of freaks in a best of one to see if they can uh, challenge or have just as worse of a you know day as a, as Gen G. I want to see what it's like after the best of one settings, and then we get into a best of five. Yeah. Hey Julius, thank you so much for the call. All right, thank you. All right, uh, we're on our last caller. Nobody leave <laughs> after the stream because I'm going to be giving out some RP cards, uh, courtesy of U.GG, and some gifted subs because I'm going to do a bounty. You can help me out with something. It'll be really cool. I don't uh, know what happened to the guy who had the topic about the um, caster and like, oh, I don't even know the difference between worlds. He died or something. Uh, so this is not what this next caller is. Okay. Beast Pond is here. Beast Pond, where are you calling from? Uh, Chicago, Illinois. Chicago. Cool. The Windy City. What do you want to talk about on the show tonight? Shira. Um... I was going to say that. Holy shit. <laughs> Shy wreck. Dude, uh, there we yeah, go. Um, I just wanted to just talk about how I think the combination of Dom's tweets, last night's results, and um, Yamato's kind of speech at the end of the night is going to be viewed as a turning point for the West, both EU and NA as a whole. Um, and like to use a traditional sports example in the NBA, when LeBron and Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh joined the big three in Miami, that's kind of now viewed as like the beginning of this super team era. And I don't, I don't think that NA or EU is going to win worlds this year and they could be gone after quarters. But I think starting with MSI next year, you're going to see them start to have more consistent results against, you know, the Chinese and the Korean teams. And after those consistent results, Peep fans and maybe even some players will look back and say like this was the turning point where that all started to come together yeah uh raz you said you had a rant about the dom thing i this is the one at the very end here we're finally getting to like the spiciest thing that happened uh besides uh, yesterday's games um uh, i don't know if you want to do that here yeah it's a good time to do that here so immediately i know the dom point and then the entire community reaction went that, like, like, what the fuck? Like, this is, like, the fans need to just stop it. A lot of the times, like, people throughout the entire split saw garbage play, and domestically, that is. Like, bad play League of Legends domestically. And then when they send their champions, their representatives over to an international event, and then they perform poorly, then you start throwing tomatoes at your leaders. You start throwing tomatoes at the people that are representing you. Like, that, for me, is, like, that's just some stupid shit. 
if you're going to be hawking the people for playing games, but still like beasting your own domestic region, you should probably focus a little bit more about the people that got left behind. Like the CLGs, the Golden Guardians, the FlyQuest, the Clutch Gamings, all of those teams that you can say, oh, you know what? They still lost. That's what matters. Because I like the Team Liquid that I saw in their group, that's exactly the same Team Liquid I saw domestically. The finals that we saw in North America, the, the one where they just huddled up, double teleport, defensive play early game, play it out, and then just crush C9 on that one, that's exactly what I saw. So that's exactly like for me, I saw exactly what I saw in the North American LCS. And I would watch or VOD review like on my stream, North American LCS games. And I would, it would be a stark difference of how I would react to an EU LCS game. I'd see an EU LCS game, I'll talk about like cool interaction, what's happening early game, smart team fights, good one, three ones. And then when it comes to an NA LCS games, they would be the most popular ones, I suppose, for the people who are watching that are fans. Because they were literally clown fiesta team fights. That they would have zero setup on team fights, like weird execution a lot of the times. And then it was just like, well, okay, what did you expect? Like I'm a traditional sports fan. I'm a Flames fan. I'm a Toronto Raptors fan. And only Toronto Raptors, I mean they're doing well recently. But once upon a time, Toronto Raptors sucked ass. And that was the expectation. If they got to a playoffs, then I was like, great, I'm happy. Like the, they somehow clenched into a playoff position, but I'm not gonna expect them to go forwards in a quarterfinals. Like if they got if they win the first round in playoffs, I'm pleasantly surprised. I'm not gonna chuck tomatoes at them when they lose the first round. That is like that's a weird shit for me to do as a fan because what was my expectation of this team? Was my expectation that they would be able to beat Chinese teams, Korean teams on a massive stage? No, because they had garbage garbage ass play during the regular season. So for us, like consistently every year, we have you know you have our best three teams go out internationally and then you were somehow surprised when they get beasted on by like edward gaming but like uh like kt what are we fucking surprised about and so like the whole dom tweet when dom came out and said this guy is playing fortnite off while he's like like a fucking streamer like oh he's playing fortnite he's playing all these other games why don't we chuck shit at them Obviously, he didn't do that. He just wanted to criticize them about playing games when they're going internationally. And that's a fair criticism, a small fair criticism. But that's not going to change anything. They were still the best in your region. They went out internationally. And then they had bad games. So, if you're, like, so for the fans that came out there on Reddit saying, oh, you know, TSM was in 100 Thieves position, that would change. You're, that's absolute bullshit. They would get beasted by Fnatic. They would get beasted by Invictus Gaming. That's just a fact. So for me, that was disgusting to see on Reddit that people are just throwing all these random criticisms that are like, that's fair, a small criticism. But a real fact of the region is North America has 60 ping, no players, and the games in, inside your own league are bad quality because you have 10 teams and a good portion of them are not good enough internationally. That I would only say that it was, it was sad to see TSM flop, obviously. I think TSM would do well internationally, but obviously team play-wise, they had some bad games. And then from that point forward, who else are you looking to perform? If you're saying Echo Fox, that's not true. Echo Fox and the Spring Split were great. They injected a lot of new talent. They weren't ready for the main stage. They sucked in team fights and they sucked at setting up for objectives. So that's my thing about the fans out there. You can be North American fans. That's great. You can make criticism. Like you can critique. Yeah, that's fine. But chucking tomatoes and shit at your team, your, your leaders, your representatives, 
they're representatives of what is a very bad play or regional play. That's my thing about that. That's that's my that's my speech. All right. Well said. I enjoyed it. We're running out of time. Um, All right. No, no, but it was good. Oh, did we lose our caller? Oh, no. He just he, he left like one minute in that speech. Come back. Way to go. It wasn't that bad. I don't. I love Dom. Wait, he's, he's in the plebs call. I don't know. Uh, I, oh, we're going to. I don't really hey. have time, Travis. I have to. I have to go. Uh, so okay, I don't okay. Here, to bring him back. I'll just. Uh, I'll. You can drop call, Mark, and I'll reset the screen. We'll just finish. Damn! No. I don't even get to talk about the thing that involved me. What? Talk what did you? What did you? you? Yeah, talk about talk, it, man. Talk. 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 Oh my! Oh Mark, no! Mark, pop your right. webcam back on. We'll we'll handle Beast Pond after I this. I didn't turn my webcam off. Oh, I just, I just that's good. good Beast Pond, I'm gonna yeah, meet you really ironic quickly. Ironic timing. I'm gonna meet oh you. Really <laughs> Go. Um, a soapbox. I don't really have much of a soapbox. I just it's okay. So about. people think casters and analysts are super biased on the broadcast, and that Mark has been one of the people that's been targeted the most. Right. I mean, and like I'm usually pretty good about handling feedback, and so like I hundred percent agree with that one segment. But if you go back and look at everything else, like Raz was getting shit in plans. He's apparently an NA biased caster. Spawn was getting shit. People think he's NA even though he's fucking Australian. And then like everyone was getting it if you didn't just like dick ride European teams. And like in that segment, we absolutely sucked and deserved the criticism. And I can differentiate good criticism from bad. And that was like good criticism. But like this has been one of like the stupidest worlds I've ever seen from like a f- like the European fans like overreactions to everything. So like that's all. Like that was good feedback. I agreed with what they said. The vast, vast majority of other shit is like so stupid. There's like other threads going up about how like the, the EU analyst desk has been better all year and like NA casters always suck and all that stuff. And it's like, no, we have like we had a bad segment. That's that's mostly it. Yeah. It wasn't like bias. It was like I have a tendency to be a negative person and over tunneled on a freak and not ever scion alting at anything the entire game, basically. <sighs> All right, Mark. Yeah, that's it. Anyways, that's that's it. Anyways, I'll miss you. I Thank, you. Thanks for doing the show. Yeah. I really do appreciate it. Uh, I know it was it was uh, tough for you to squeeze this into your schedule and all that stuff, and I know you're really tired. So it's it is actually honestly appreciated. Yep, no problem. I'll see you guys uh, another time. Yeah. After after groups. Yeah. Uh, yes, after groups. Cool. Uh, cool. So you guys obviously keep talking, and having fun, shit. Yeah, yeah, we will. All right, sounds good to me. In memoriam, Mark Zimmerman. Okay. See ya. See ya. Ma. Okay. Um. Let's see. In a second, the whole web webcam thing is going to go wonky, but I'm going to unmute you now, Beast Pond. Uh, fin- sorry. Can you repeat what you were talking about? Because you said that you felt like this is going to be like a, a worlds to remember, essentially, for the West. Uh, not necessarily a worlds to remember, but I think that if the West you know, EU and NA as a whole get consistent results that this world's will be looked at as like the turning point or the, the start of that, or even like uh, misfits uh, five game series against SKT last year. Um, I just think that North America and EU are just going to start playing their style more, um, more pronounced. Maybe, maybe they've always been playing their style, but it will be a little bit more pronounced now and that they're going to start to see, you know, in small doses, a little bit more success against 
um, the Chinese and the, the Korean teams. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to say if how that'll play out because it kind of relies on, you know, literally the next several years uh, of of competition. And I, I'm not ready to say yet that, like, we're going to see all that stuff change. But, yeah, I mean, I, I could see that if if this if it, things end up going that way. I'll say one thing about North America is that there has been a lot of like there's been an evolution since, uh, you know, franchising has gone through. Put in a lot of effort and you know coaching staff. That's where a lot of the like the gold has been pumping in, if you if you'd say. So for NA, the infrastructure is coming. The, I think it's been phenomenal that we've had that uh, academy league pop up. So you you do see a lot of new players. I think this year we've seen a, like a lot of players, a lot of new players, and I think at some point that's actually bad short term because what we're seeing is like the teams with the most veterans are the most successful in spring split. Uh, like TSM was one echo Fox when they had uh, like a lot of the old guard of the players in the bottom side of the map, including Phoenix. I don't know what happened there. And then when they had uh, uh, TSM with all their veterans, team liquid with all their veterans, a um, hundred thieves when they had Medios in the jungle. Um, and then obviously Cody Senate already had world's experience. So like those teams rose up initially Short term, the rest of the league was just trying to figure out like the you know competitive one one how to work with each other as a team on a major stage. So like I think next year North America is in a great position where all of these new fresh faces have all of this world's experience and they come into the NALCS next time around. You have great coaching staff and great players with experience. That's a long term thing. I think this year, if North America get into semifinals. With their fate, like new players with no experience, all that good shit. That is incredible. But that's a story that still needs to be written in quarterfinals. So, like, I'll wait until quarters and see how they do in a best of five. It's just boring to say that, but that's literally what it comes down to. Yeah. As an aside on all this stuff, uh, I know we keep kind of tangenting. I apologize. But um, one thing we didn't get a chance to talk about tonight is like, it really felt like it was, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Rance, but it really felt like it was a lot off the backs of Zazel and Licorice that we saw Cloud9 yeah. really push forward. Fucking two rookies, you know, um, mm-hmm. coming in uh, on Cloud9 and pulling that stuff off, right? Like, uh, Zazel's the nicest guy. Uh, you know, he's he's just like this chill dude that just came in and is like going head to head against like the RNG bot lane and uh not saying they like smash lane or anything like that but he's like making planes plays in team fights and doing all this cool stuff uh it for me is really nice because i think north america has been i don't want to say recycling talent but like has not been doing as well of a job i think in the past of, of trying to find these rookie players besides whenever tsm throws a rookie in and makes him award in the jungle position yeah and it's cool to see I'll say recycling talent. I think that's been true. I think when it comes to North American teams at the top, what they'll end up doing during off season is like here, like they have two options, either invest in like a, a, like a talented jungler, but that would take like a year of real work. But like, obviously if you're in a non-franchising system, that means you're out of the LCS. I know what that feels like. That's fucking sad. Or you go with an old guard that you may not see value out of in in a year and hasn't really performed internationally, but like that's good enough to get you through the split. And maybe you like have a great year. And I think the best thing about franchising 
is that doesn't exist anymore. That fear of relegation is gone. And so you can just invest. And what Cloud9 did this year was the riskiest shit anyone could do, where they just threw out the two new players that you mentioned, Licorice and Zazel. Zazel specifically is the biggest one for me because they had Smoothie, who was the best support in North America at the time. And you were like, you're replacing the best support with this, like, this bearded motherfucker. Like, what's this? Like, that, to me, like, <laughs> this guy from Academy. You're like, who is this guy? And obviously now has come onto that stage and is now vying for, if not already, showing himself as the best support in North America. Like, had that not gone through, if Cloud9 stayed at, the, at last place in North America, hadn't gone to Worlds, or even if they, they had gone to Worlds and then lost to Gambit, North America at that, they would go right back to saying, yeah, fuck new players. Fuck, like, Academy players, keep to the old guard. I think this has been an iconic moment for new faces, for or owners in North America in the future, to say that we can invest in a wiggly jungle. Like, that, to me, means a lot. That we can just look to Academy and then bring them onto our roster. So yeah. Cloud9, I think, had a major win, success for North America in the future. And that's something that will be remembered. Maybe North America gets, like, bopped out of the tournament in the quarterfinals. But this is a lasting impression for, I think, NA. Beast Pond, thank you so much for the call. Sorry, I know we kind of like danced around your question a little bit, but hopefully, My bad. I don't even, I, hopefully it was yeah. good. Oh, no worries. I appreciate it. Yeah, have a good one. You too. All right. As I said before, do not go anywhere Twitch chat because we're going to be doing some giveaways and stuff on stream. Uh, but that is uh, the end of this official episode of Hotline League. Um, let me go ahead and really quickly shout out some folks who uh, sent some Twitch Prime stuff. 20-year-old Asian girl, who I, I wonder if uh, she has to update her Twitch name every year. Boot Chen, Excel 4 for 5 months. Relith, uh, ZTD09 for 2. Hayden Elephant and the Wannabe Gamer. If you're watching the VOD right now, just click over that Twitch link in the description and throw your uh, sub this way. That's You can do that. Um, I want to thank uh, Mark so much for coming on. It, it was actually really cool of him to pull this off because he's under this whole month. He's just working, working, working. So I I pushed him to do it a little bit early. We could have just waited till after groups, but I thought there was just so much stuff to talk about. I like had to do Hotline League, and he was willing to do it. So thank you. Uh, Kelby, you got anything you want to sh- uh, throw out there? Uh, I I was hoping that we could get predictions for the rest of the groups. Oh, yeah. Okay, Ooh. we can do that really quickly. That sounds yeah, I can do that. I mean, we've got time. Um, so tonight is Group A, which I, I'm the least interested in that group because uh, I think it's maybe the most boring group from a team perspective. Fung Boo Buffaloes! No, no, they're going last yeah. place. Okay, they're going. <laughs> so that was, <laughs> they're last place. Yeah, thank you for contributing. Um, Anytime. Okay, so Flash Wolves, G2, Fong Vu, and Afrika. Um, Raz, does Afrika have a chance of, like, redeeming korea tonight yeah i think so i think like and take whatever i said as a grain of salt because my uh pick is absolute trash right now but yeah. um i think that it'll be a flash rolls and a freak of freak that being said obviously g2 are currently holding that uh tie for first place spot yeah and i think of what g2 showed is great um that they're going to be going towards 131 the only thing that i'm worried about is that i think that keen really matches up well with wonder so the one, like the one wonder win condition, Yankos and uh, Perks is will be met with a freak of freaks, and it just comes down to the difference I think in bottom lane. I think just based off pure drafting, a freak of freak last time made the mistake about the Heimerdinger point. Uh, it'll be banned. 
they'll challenge bottom lane. And I wonder, I think a freak of freaks will come out ahead. Calvi. Dude, I, I actually have no idea about this group. This is the one group that I feel most concerned about predicting, but I don't know. I think that, uh, I think that Afrika will probably make it out, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if they didn't. Yeah. I think it could maybe be Afrika and G2, dude. I don't know. Holy moly! Anything's possible. That's true. I think. Yeah. I, I think anything can happen in this. It's worlds. I'm not even anything the trap, can anything happen. Is, anything is possible. Anything is possible. Uh, okay, I have uh, I have flashbulbs in G two getting out, and because because I think I think Korea's going to be they're tilted. We've tilted the whole region yeah. after last night. Yeah. And G and Europe. Oh, Kelby or Nick Allen in chat says least bold statement Kelby has ever made. Um, that's true, but. We tilted entire region last night, and Europe, seeing vitality, they know that they fell, and they must right, you know, right at the last edge, they they will push through for vitality. My predictions are always made off of narratives, by the way, nothing to do with analysis or strength of teams or anything like that. So that's what I'll say. So I think, I think Flash Wolves, uh, number one, G two, number two, Afrika, uh, slowly being behind, and I I don't know about Fungu Buffalo. Um. Uh, what is the the next day? Next day is uh, Group D, I think. Is the following yeah. day on the schedule? Let me double check. This is... No, it's Group C. Group C, okay, okay. Oh, okay. really? Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, because sure today is... Now. Okay. I thought Group D... Okay, played. okay. Yeah, it's Group, group C first. Group C it's is a... KT okay. and TL. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're right. Sorry. I, for some reason, I had TL and Group D. Um, okay, so Group C... Is the following night KT Edward Team Liquid and Mad? Uh, I'll That's leave Kelby exactly last because I want to see how he predicts this. But um, Raz, how about you? Uh, literally, KT EDG is gonna come out of group. I think Team Liquid—they're learning lessons a little bit too slowly about how to pick up fights, and EDG have already been grilled in and how to team fight because they had to go through gauntlet through like two Chinese team fighting teams that like taught them that you had to pick tank stop lane. Roll it down, Dragon. If Team Liquid do the exact same thing, Cloud Nine doesn't have that re- like that scrim revelation, revelation, then great. But as it stands, EDG just has too many talented players. Uh, I think they can get trapped into Kaisa. I think we saw the, the the problems of you know dipping too much into the late game and having a bad laning phase. So that's a possibility. But I don't think Doublelift is the type of guy who dips into Draven. <laughs> uh, at most he's going to go like Jin, and yeah. so we're going to maybe see a Jin lane but that's not going to be enough so I think that we're going to see uh, KT and EDG come out Right. as I said we've tilted an entire region Edward gaming a team liquid KT is no I'm just kidding um, I, uh, I I'm worried for team liquid because I feel like uh, the sort of fighting that I, Cloud9 and Vitality were able to pull off in order to take out Eastern teams, I don't know if Team Liquid's capable of. Um, uh, and that's that's my big concern for them, is I just don't know if they're going to be able to outclass enough uh, in the other lanes to do it. So I probably have KT and Edward, sadly, for TL. Kelby? You're KT and TL. Yeah? Wow. I, won't, I will not pick against Peter. And I also just was not impressed. Like, I wasn't very impressed with EDG. I think that... Uh, I don't know. They they definitely look like by far the weakest Chinese team to me. I I I don't think that they're anything special at all. 
All right, and that leaves the final group, which is Group D, uh, Invictus, Fanatic, 100 Thieves, and G-Rex. Uh, I'm going to go with Invictus and Fanatic, and I think Fanatic will come out in the first Who's going to get first? Yeah. Oh, okay. What the hell? All right, yeah. you know what? What's going on here? We inspired guys? a region last night with uh, Vitality, and I think Invic- or, sorry, I think Fanatic will show up. You know what I think is going to happen in this group? Hmm. What? I think that Fnatic is getting first, and I think that... Don't say it. I think that 100T... Don't <laughs> fucking say it. Will Don't say it. I think they will beat IG and lose to G-Rex. That's what, I'm, that? that's what I'm calling, dude. Kind of counter logic. 100T will beat IG and lose to G-Rex. You heard it here first. Lock it in. Make your bets. <laughs> Make your fucking bets, dude. Oh, no. Anything can happen. I'm embracing no. it completely. What the? You can't have Travis control the show. You yeah. can't control the narrative. Don't say it. And don't say I didn't call it, man. Raz. Invictus Gaming is taken first and Fnatic is second. If a hundred thieves. No, I'm not even going to say it. That I would have to wash that taste out of my mouth with some Valentina hot sauce. Here, like, here's what's gonna happen, dude. Like C9 made it out. TL is gonna make it out. 100T is gonna be like riding on like this USA hype train super hard because you know after TL makes it out too. If TL made it out too, then all of NA is gonna be like, oh my god, like, oh, it's insane. And then and then when do they? What's the schedule actually for that day? This is really important to my oh, prediction. That's true. That's true. 100 fuck 100 t plays fanatic first <laughs> but they but they do play ig before they play g-rex which i think is really important they beat ig and lose to g-rex i really wish they didn't play fanatic before all of this that kind of like potentially sours my prediction but yeah, yeah. like my thing on hundred thieves i like there's a possibility anything happened with team liquid you know this i can throw that out there with the, the like the travis accent all in tow but 100 Thieves, even if they come out with a completely different strategy, nothing can, nothing can like cover up what's right. happening in the mid lane. Like, like for me, yeah, 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 their, yeah. their talent is too weak. The biggest thing with 100 Thieves in the spring split that covered all of this up was the fact that they were just a smart team that like um, Meteos in the jungle had the veteranship that they, could, they would be able to make the right calls around team fights and that they had... Obviously, team fighting AD Carry and Cody's son. Now, we know what happened. They brought in Ricara. And I'm fine with Ricara as long as he has some experience during the year. But we know what happens with this putting, putting in a newbie when, like in semifinals, worlds. Not enough experience, not enough time on the stage. So, like, that's just for me, there are too many holes on that map that someday cannot dig out. Yeah. No, I mean, and that's what that's what I set up to this point is that 100 T was going to get crushed every game because they are bad individually. Yeah, okay, people are saying they three to... lanes. That's wrong. Someday's going to win a lane, but it, it won't matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it's uh, too hard when. Yeah, I last night I was like, oh my god, if Cloud9 gets out in first seed, you know, because there was there's a chance that I was like the buff that Team Liquid is going to get. I was I just in my mind it's just like that. I know that analytically, but. Still, I somehow felt like that was just going to force like Team Liquid, like they just knock them into shape and they just like come out swinging. 
I was like, but still no faith in Hunter T. Like <laughs> you could you yeah, could yeah, have yeah. you could have like them both get out in first seed, go undefeated in their groups uh, on the on the second week, and Hunter T would still flop. I just don't I wish I had more faith in them, but I, I unfortunately I just was so surprised with IG. Like honestly. I was so surprised because I expected hundred percent Jackie Love would have a, like a bad performance because domestically I know that there's a lot of amazing AD carries in the league. But Jackie Love is like a Draven type of player. No, he literally is like uh, when he first came into the competitive scene, like he was a Draven one trick. He loves dipping back into Draven at times. And he plays a lot of champions, but his thing is that he's the type of person to face tank. And so a lot of the times Invictus Gaming would lose games or lose a lot of tempo because he would get picked off on the map randomly. And he didn't happen. He just, he actually just stomps people in lane. His team fights were exceptional. He wasn't nervous at all for what was a rookie year for him so yeah there you know what invictus gaming doing better than i anticipated yeah well that is the show uh thank you to hops 203 then the Quel- quelchinator uh for your sub and then apora i think i got thorn 179 at 11 months um and the wannabe gamer and hayden elephant uh kelby do you have any shout outs any plugs anything you want to say here at the end no I'm good. Nothing? I'm excited for uh No, yeah, yeah. I'm uh I'm excited for uh I I also don't super care about tonight, but the two nights after that, I'm excited to see those groups. Yeah. Should should people care about tonight, Raz? Uh yeah, I think remember the biggest thing is between Afrika Freaks G two and uh, uh Flash Wolves. So G yeah. two, I know we uh Abo dropped Europe a little earlier on, but Europe could get out of groups, and that's a big takeaway. So I think that's something that a lot of people will be looking towards. Kelby, I, I don't I, think anybody from this group is going to make it past quarters. That's why I don't care. Okay, that's fair enough. Kelby, Fenron and Shadow screaming, Chainsmokers, come on. I need to refine my Chainsmokers pitch, dude. Okay. It, needs, it needs to be leveled up, and I haven't had time to level it up yet. Well, you know what? Because Kelby didn't do it, I'll shout out Fenron Jenkins, an amazing Twitch streamer. Total War streamer. He's in chat right now. I'll type a shout-out Fenron Jenkins in there. Uh, go check out his stream. Hang out in my stream because I'm going to be doing uh, some giveaway stuff. And you can help me complete a bounty, which is where I stream a video game, people watch it, and I get paid if more people watch it. And I need to get paid. Um, thank you so much to Raz for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. It was a pleasure having you on, dude. I'm glad you were able to, to make it on uh, somewhat short notice uh it's a fun fun time it's we so far we've had we had uh who did we have oh we've had all the international folks on we had shocks on then we had foxtrap now we have raz so it's kind of nice to be uh getting some non-na folks even though i know that's where you hail from uh raz on the show so everyone thanks for watching a shout out twitch prime uh thanks everyone for watching my interviews there's a ton of stuff going up on the channel on youtube so check that out this has been hotline league what is it, 48? This has been an episode of Hot Line League. It's this one is 49. <laughs> Thanks for watching Hotline League episode 49.